Building our pal, this is Gabby and KD, and we're back with another episode. Uh, sorry, guys, we did not have one for you last week. We took a little break, but we are back. Uh, you can hit us up on social media at Building Our PWR. Um, KT is back. She's got a little bit of a, a bruising and a little bit of whatever. She's okay. She she got hurt, but uh, she's doing all right now. You didn't even tell him what uh, happened. Did you want to tell him all your business? I don't think so. <laughs> well, she's better though, y'all. Uh, just send her some positivity if you can. Uh, also, what have, we, what have we been working on? We are working on some care packages for the homeless in our community. Mm-hmm. We got some duffel bags. We put some socks, uh, gloves, hand warmers, and we're going to put masks in there. Um, we've also been filling up the cr- the fridge like always. If you'd like to donate to that, you can. Link will be in the description. All right, guys. Uh, we're back. A lot has happened, of course. Um, first thing I want to talk about really briefly is um, during our uh, little hiatus for a week, Bell Hooks unfortunately passed away um, at 69. And uh, the stuff that I saw on Twitter... Mm. Oh my gosh. It was outrageous. Outrageous. And it was, here's the thing. I said this on Twitter, and you guys should definitely follow us on there. But it was incel ideology, mm-hmm. white supremacist incel ideology that people were saying. Explain. So, an example was. Um, that there were, there were literally men who were saying things like, wow, uh, Bell Hooks, she said this, this, and this about men. Wow, 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 we should just abolish feminism. Feminism is this, feminism is that. Like, just saying things that were, number one, anti-black, but also it was anti, it was like anti-woman. It was anti-feminism in any way. Now, that doesn't make you an incel, but the way it was being framed was more or less like, okay, well, women do this and women do that, and how come men don't get this and how come men don't get that? Pretty much just saying it it started a meninist conversation. Yeah, there you go, there you go. That's what I was looking for. But ultimately, what I want to say is this, because people have been pulling quotes out of their uh, they booty holes uh, <laughs> to say that Bell Hooks hated black men. Let me tell you something. I got into Bell Hooks uh, my sophomore year in college. And before that, I was into feminism. um, And I was about to get on the train that, you know, men in general all just need to die. And they're terrible. There's no saving them this, that, and the third. You know, the person that made me have some hope for men and not view them all as just these monsters, Bell motherfreaking hooks. Yep. I watched all of her new school uh, interviews, which are on uh, YouTube, all her panels. And she has, like, plenty of panels that are about uh, black masculinity. Not, not necessarily even dogging black men, but just saying how the culture itself does not cultivate an environment that make black boys feel safe and how that turns into everything else. So pretty much what these these men are already, some of them are already saying on Twitter, she said, they just don't like it that she didn't hold back when she was talking about certain things. And if you can't take some real deal talk, I don't know what to tell you. 
Now, the interesting thing about this is, it's two things. For one, these men are the same men that say women lack accountability. They can't handle the truth. This, then, the third. They want somebody to lie to them. They want somebody to call them. Number two, these are the same men that when I bring up some quotes or I bring up some stories about how these uh, black revolutionaries of the past were misogynistic, homophobic, women beaters, didn't take care of their kids, uh, just were terrible people to their community, then, then that's cancel culture. That's we can't thing. talk about stuff like that. Like, you notice how, like, yes, they were having meninist conversations, but not once did they include trans masks. No, like, there was do. never, there was never, like, how can you, how can you genuinely say that Bell Hooks is anti-men and not include trans masks in that? That just tells me, like, y- your ideology anyway is rooted in some kind of trans misogynistic bullshit. Of course, I mean, well, of course, of course. Absolutely, 100%. So, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. I We definitely uplift Bell Hooks. I recommend Bell Hooks to everybody. She was a light. It is so sad to see that she didn't even get to live to her 70s. No. But she did contribute so much to uh, black people in general that everybody should should listen to and take heed to. And we just want to lift her up and, and speak her name and, and just tell her thank you for everything you've contributed to uh, our lives and the lives of, of black people as a whole. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> this Kellogg's thing. Everyone knows it has officially ended. The strike. The strike has officially ended. So, woo! Everybody should be happy, right? Specifically, the union is happy. They're pushing uh, that this is a worker's victory. Solidarity is what helped this. But it's not what is true. Asked for, okay? The workers initially asked for the two-tier system to be gone. They also accused Kellogg's management of intentionally understaffing the corporation's facilities and forcing the remaining employees to endure long, brutal shifts to save money on paying benefits, okay? So they've done this. That's that's essentially what they're telling them. We want to end the two-tier system. We want more pay. We want better benefits. Uh, not even that. They said they want to end the two-tier system, and they want them to uh, hire more people right. so that they don't have to work so many hours. So remember that. Okay, so what did they end up getting? So they ended up getting the minimum wage increase of a dollar ten per hour, a moratorium on plant closures, and a pension boost. Oh my! Did, did anybody God. hear anything about a pension? They said nothing. And you know what? What that pension? Who that pension will end up benefiting more? The long-term CEOs, the long-term management, the long-term people that are there, okay? It's not going to benefit the low-level people that are initially coming in, which was their complaint to begin with. That was their whole complaint. So, uh, actually, there was a a union leader in Memphis uh-huh. that was interviewed for MLK 50. We'll definitely put that uh, link in the description that did not think that this contract was the best. Uh, they said, we didn't lose anything. There were no takeaways, but the gains could have been significantly better, said Rob Ethan, president of BCTGM Local 252G. 
he voted against the contract. As he should have. The company still has a right to outsource jobs. If they want to move production to foreign countries like Mexico, they can still do so. And that was one of the bigger items on our proposal list. But the only thing the company said was they would commit to no plant closures. One of the largest sticking points between the union and Kellogg's was a two-tiered part pay system, which the company proposed and the union agreed to in 2015 as a one-time cost-cutting concession. Oh, they didn't say that. Union actually was one of the people that, that said okay to the two-tier system. But anyways, now they want to get rid of the two-tier system. That's what they were uh, fighting about. And so now with this new contract, the contract allows for transitional workers to move to legacy status within four years. Four years? So for four years, you've got to work 7 to 7 and then come back to 3 a.m. the very next day. At the Memphis plant, where there are about 274 workers, that means that all transitional workers will switch to legacy status by the end of the five-year contract, Ethan says. And around 22 will become legacy employees immediately. But while transitional employees now have a pathway to legacy benefits, quote, as long as you have transitional employees in the building, that two-tier system is still alive. And let me ask you this, logically. Do you think that with this little loophole, all Kellogg's has to do is, but before you hit that five-year mark, we're going to fire you. So we ain't got to pay you, and we're going to hire some old folks or some uh, little temp people. Okay, so uh, I previously worked for a company called Kelly Services, and I worked on uh, with Apple customers, uh, tech support. And so there was always a time when we knew people were starting to get cut. So Apple would ramp up whenever they uh, getting close to September when they started, you know, uh, releasing new phones. Okay, and then immediately. After that ramp up was done, like going into the new year, you would start hearing people were getting fired constantly. And that's so that Apple did not have to pay those employees any longer or provide them benefits or increase their pay. Exactly. So that's what, exactly what they're going to do with the Kellogg workers. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if you don't quit before then because you're being worked to death. Exactly. Right. Right. So really, ultimately, what happened? Kellogg's, what is $1.10 to a billion dollar corporation? Nothing. This is not nothing. They no. put it, they, I saw on Twitter, I don't know if this is true, check it, that the, uh, a email leaked from Kellogg's where the top people were saying, like, yeah, they literally gave up nothing. This ain't going to hurt them. Now they can get back to work. So, again, <laughs> let's go back to that episode. What did we tell y'all? What did we tell y'all? That unions agree to things because unions don't want to pay anyway. Unions do not want to pay you to you not to be off work because that means they're not getting money. Unions apparently, but here's the thing. Also, unions, people can say, well, they tried their best. Unions with all this political power, mm-hmm. with all this money, mm-hmm. that's the best they can do? An 11-week strike? That's the best you can get? And, and and let me talk to these other people on uh on social media. I feel like for some people, they were just happy that they could get their fruit frosted flakes again. Yeah, pretty much. They were just happy that they could eat their pop tarts again. Because as soon as somebody asks a question, a legitimate question about what really did the, the workers get? Oh no, nah, strikes work, people work, strike work. 
Which is also why you think about, like, Joe Biden was a part of this thing. Bernie Sanders was a part of this thing. You had a lot of politicians that were getting, quote-unquote, involved in the strike. Ain't that interesting? And then also, something else that was interesting to me is that right before they ended this strike, uh, Kellogg's had said, you know what, never mind. We're just going to go ahead and uh, hire scab workers. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like what happened in that was, like, they were like, okay, we're hiring these scab workers, and the union and the union was like, no, 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 like no, actually, let's see if we can let's negotiate or whatever, just some false hope essentially. Either that, or the scab workers couldn't do as well as everybody else. Oh either yeah, way, that too. Yeah. Either way, ultimately, this just shows you that <laughs> when you're working with something with that's still within capitalism, that's still mm-hmm. getting funded by capitalists, that these folks is friends. These union people and these CEOs are friends. You are the pawn. Yeah. Th- this ain't about you. This ain't about your rights. You're a pawn. You're a pawn for other people's political motives. You're a pawn for other people's capitalistic uh, aspirations. So... Again. And then you got uh, rom- people on Twitter romanticizing you because you're doing a fucking strike. Like, my thing is, like, that just bothers me so much. These people are literally not taking pay. They're not taking pay to have a strike. Why are you romanticizing that? Why are you making it seem like it's this wonderful, kind, beautiful thing and everyone should do it? Like, no, these people are literally going to not be able to eat. They're going to have to stand outside in the cold to do this. Not taking pay just to come back for an extra dollar. For a dollar and ten cents. And still have to work seven days what? a week, 12 hours. So this has just been horrible to me. And, yeah. And I don't want to always be the negative Nancy, but you cannot hold anything past these folks. I promise. They will always try to spin it off just to keep get you to comply. Strikes work. Join this little corporate union. Join this organization. Join this place that's not going to tell you where all their money is going, even though they're a nonprofit and they're required to. It's like, I want you guys to know, like, one of the things, for us at least, is that whenever we're looking at an organization, whether that be someone who's considered, quote-unquote, a radical organization, if they do not provide where their money goes, something fishy is going on. If you have to physically search for it, like the uh, BCTGM union, if you have to physically go on to these websites for nonprofits to find it, something fishy is going on. Agreed. Things happened uh, last week that, or really this week, yeah. that really radicalized me even more, <laughs> even more <laughs> than I already am. One thing is I've started looking for apartments. Because uh, eventually I want you, I'm still living with my parents uh, to save money. But I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, it's, it's time to, to time to get out of here. Um, so I've been looking around for apartments in Memphis. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't even know what I was expecting personally. Me either. But what I saw was just horrific. Horrific. In order to not live in a roach-infested rat motel, you literally have to dish out $900. Or, no, no, $1,000 or more. $1,000 or more. 
And that does not include a washer and dryer. That does not include central air. That does not include a dishwasher. A thousand dollars. That's a lot for Memphis because Memphis, their average income, like before, or not the average income, but the average, like uh, how much you would pay per month, was more closer to like seven hundred dollars. So that's an extra three hundred dollars. $400, $500 that people are having to pay for a one bedroom or even a that's studio. That's the thing. I didn't say that. It's a one bedroom. Yeah, or that, a studio. Because that's all I need. Like, that's all I need. A one bedroom or studio. One bedroom or studio. $900, $1,000. And we already tell you about the stats of Memphis. Extreme poverty. Yes. Majority of folks ain't making over $12 or $15 an hour. So that's literally taking your entire check. You have to work more than one job in order to afford something like that. Yeah. And so I was just thinking, like, if I did not have my parents, if we did not have a decent enough relationship that I could live with them, I would either be homeless or I would be living in those places that we talk about that literally look like a bomb has gone through them. Because that's all, that's all it is in Memphis. Either you finna live in a shack or you finna live in a luxury apartment. And... For that to happen in a city that is so poor is just terrible. And then on top of that, me and KT went driving around. We didn't even know where we was at. We was over there <laughs> by the Oak Court Mall. And uh, we had gone to a bookstore. Yeah. I was being racially profiled at the yes. bookstore and everywhere else. Um, and so after that, we were like, okay, let's see what this neighborhood is about because it's a whole bunch of white people. Apparently, they got money. And yeah, we, we actually was walking around like the little place where the bookstore was too. And something that was interesting to us was there was a lot of quote unquote small businesses yeah. that were very like luxury small businesses. Yes. And we were like, hmm. Something is 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 happening in this neighborhood. But anyway, small bit that's something that small businesses like luxury boutiques selling yes. diamonds, selling wedding dresses, uh, selling furniture. Small businesses, not corporate owned, no. nothing. Okay, so we we were like, okay, let's drive around in this neighborhood. These houses, I have never. Not even on TV seen anything like this in my entire life. If we can find, like, on Zillow or something, these pictures of these houses, we're going to have to put it on YouTube. The amount of house, the amount of land, you wouldn't, I have been living in Memphis 28 years I wouldn't even know that this even existed. Let me tell y'all. Here, here's an example. This and Gabby brought this up. This is a really good uh, image of how big these houses were. It was the size. There was more land and more house than my entire apartment complex that has over twenty apartments in it. Yep. Yep. My entire. That includes the parking lot. Yep. The front yard to my apartment complex. The entire apartment complex. Yep. It was bigger than that. Yep. And and these are people. This was not the CEO of Fred Smith. Fred Smith of FedEx. No. Even though he he lives somewhere even uh, like a suburb of Memphis. His house I'm sure is like ten times bigger. But 
something we want to talk about is what are these people doing in Memphis to have this amount of money? And KT brought up that these are the quote-unquote small business owners of Memphis. Not only that, they are the upper management people yeah. in the corporation. They're not the CEOs. They're not the billionaires. They're the millionaires still. They're still exploiting people to be in those positions. To have a house that big, you have got to exploit someone. Yep. Yep. Multiple someones. There's no possible way. These are the landlords of them apartments. I yes. told you that are the Roach Motels. These are the landlord of those houses that, that are run by slumlords. Yes. They own all these properties all over the city, and you go to their house, and it looks like a castle. This is capitalism. Yeah, and I want us to be aware that oftentimes when we're on Twitter, we usually see things that are like, oh, we should end billionaires. We should do this with billionaires. No. We need to be focusing on these local people who are in our back neighborhoods, mm -hmm. who are ignoring the taxes that they need to be paying because they don't want to shell it out to the low-income people that live around them. And so, yeah, it, it pisses me off because, like I said, it's their house was literally... We got to see... You know, whenever you're at nighttime and these rich people have their lights on and they open their windows up, I've never thought about opening my windows up like that before because I would be afraid someone's going to come in. But they literally had the windows wide open and you could see into their house. And it was giant. Like, it blew my mind. Yeah. Something else I wanted to add, because you know we got to bring it up episode, every episode. These are people that are running and on the boards of them nonprofits. Oh, yeah. Memphis. Yes. These That's are the where they are. That are on the boards for our nonprofits <sighs> in Memphis. I, I employ, I, me and Gabby, we love doing this, but I really, really want our people to go and look at your neighborhoods. Like, just go and just explore your city. Go to places within your city or within your town you've literally never been because you don't care about going over there. And look at the wealth. Look at the poverty. Look at the difference between the two. Take pictures and bring it back home and look at them. That will radicalize you more than anything it, else. It, it, that gets beyond theory. That it gets does. beyond hypothetical. When you sit there and you look, if you can, when you go out there and you stand in front of them houses and you look at your house and you look at your kinfolk's house, it's over with. I have no sympathy for these people. No. Nope. When their buildings get burned down, nope. when their stuff gets stolen from, nope. when their car gets stolen, I don't care because they... Like you said, their house was built on violence. Yes. Their house is built on the blood and exportation. Yes. They have that house because y'all are working two and three jobs while you got your child in, in, in daycare and you can barely see them. And, and, and you're also on food stamps because you can't even do that with two or three jobs. Like, it's at this point... I just want, me and Gabby said this when we were riding around, but we just really want to blow all them houses up. <laughs> uh, hypothetically. Uh, yeah, uh, for legal purposes, that was a joke. But something else that was interesting, every single street we went down had a police box at the yes. front of the street yes. and the end of the street with two cameras on the box itself. 
That was so, like, I've never seen that many police boxes in one neighborhood. Yep. Yep. There was police boxes in front of houses, of houses. too. Yep. Yep. Um, and then also in the backyard, they had city lights. Yep. I, I just... And but, but, you know, we should be just worrying about uh, the CEOs. We should be worrying about just the billionaires. No! Worry about the millionaires, too. We should the just, thousandaires. The, the millionaires down there. We should just be worried about the crime. We should just be worried about these poor people. Yeah. Uh, stealing from, from these little malls and stuff I like guess that. that's the problem, right? No! God. Oh, Lord God. Every time we go, we just get our blood pressure up. That's pretty much <laughs> That's true, but we 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 really just I I had to personally let that out because it's getting we know America's about to collapse, but the fact that we are struggling so much and these people continue, how are you keeping up with a house with four garages? Yeah, and that one house had four garages and like a entire um what do you call it like a huge. A fence around it that was brick. Yeah. These people are making more money. These people are getting richer. Let this radicalize you. I think that was the only reason. Let this radicalize Mm -hmm. you. Go to them rich neighborhoods and drive around. Take buses of people. We already talked about this. Take them with you. And and let's get to work. Because because the fighting on Twitter, it's really, I mean, it's fun, it, it's drama, and it gets you riled up, but actually taking even your, just your own people um, to these neighborhoods, it will definitely get people thinking. It'll yeah. get people radicalized way quicker. Yeah. Definitely. All right, guys. That's been our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can see we got a little different setup. We in my little studio today. So we sound a little bit better, but we'll be back over there in KT uh, next week. (laughs) Uh, This has been Gabby. And KT. Make sure you hit us up on Building Our PWR if you'd like to donate to uh, the community fridge as well as the care packages we got going on. You can do that. Uh, And this has been Building Our Power. We're out.